0: Today is a special day on the CXM Experience. I'm your host Grad Con, CXO at Sprinkler, and we're all about experience. In fact, we love experience so much it's in our title twice, as the keen-eyed amongst you like to point out. So, uh, the Customer Experience Management Experience is a podcast all about understanding customer experience and the emerging. Field of CXM because CXM is going to follow CRM. And uh, CRM is an innovation from about 30 years ago. It was the last really big idea in the front office. The next big idea is CXM. We have a unique point of view at Sprinkler on CXM. Our point of view is that CXM needs to incorporate the discipline of listening to what people are saying. And there's a lot to listen to out there now because people are posting publicly. Uh, every millisecond, you need to be able to learn from what people say. You need to be able to use AI to aggregate those comments in a actionable form. And you need to love the customer who has said something about you, positive or negative. So listen, learn, love. It really is all about being able to act on the things that you hear and being able to aggregate the things you hear in a way that you can take guidance from it so that is our unique point of view on cxm don't be fooled by companies that say they're cxm but they're really customer feedback management feedback alone is not enough you've got to be able to fix the issue if i say i've got a problem i don't want you just to know i want you to fix it that's what customer experience management is all about emphasis on the word management all right so today's kind of a cool day so a special day so Uh, As many of you know, as some of you know, as maybe a few of you know, uh, I am the proud owner of a time machine, uh, also known as a 1981 DeLorean. And mine is not fully tricked out as a time machine, but I do have three flux capacitors. I have the main flux capacitor that you would have seen in the movie, where it is in the movie. I have a backup flux capacitor on the equipment door right behind the driver's seat and then i have a tiny tiny super backup flux capacitor good for just one trip uh is stuck into the cigarette lighter so uh, because you don't want to be stuck back in time without a working flux capacitor and i have a mr fusion uh, in the front trunk Uh, that allows me to power all the devices so it's a trimmed down version of a time machine but i've had plenty of fun with it i've seen all sorts of things and uh uh yes i do know who won the super bowl in 2025 uh, but i'm not telling um just suffice to say it's not the seahawks uh anyway so but they got really close as usual (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, and by the way, the Mariners, yeah, no, no. They the Mariners they never win a World Series. I've gone as far forward in time as is possible. The Mariners never win. Ever. So that just so you can take that to the bank. All right. So uh so let's talk a little bit about uh time travel because today is time traveler day. Uh, and today is the day where you pretend to be a time traveler. It's kind of like Pirate Day where you talk like a pirate all day. Today's Time Traveler Day. Isn't that cool? I love that there's every day's a day. I still think, and I've said this before on this podcast, there's a a great business in there, which is someone hooking up through an API all the days and all the months and all the years of Uh, all the different charities and runs and events and special events. And I think there's a a really interesting opportunity there. And maybe if I keep talking about it long enough, maybe I'll end up doing it. But it's a still, I still think it's a great idea. So someone's got to turn that into a service. So anyway, let's talk about time travel. So um, one of my favorite time travel stories, and uh, this is going back to when I was a a pretty young kid, uh, was, is the book which I think is the way I first consumed it, uh, which is the book, uh, The Time Machine by uh, H.G. Wells. Uh, It was originally published in 1895, and it's generally credited with the popularization of the concept of time travel uh, using a vehicle or a device to travel forwards or backwards in time. So the term time machine coined by Wells uh, is now almost universally used to refer to such devices. So pretty cool. I mean, I always love like I always love situations where someone came up with a thing that we all talk about now. Uh for example, the Ferris wheel uh was invented by someone, yeah, named Ferris for the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. And so, you know, it's just it's always fun to see things get invented and he invented the concept of the time machine. Uh and I um, so I read the book. I was a big H G Wells fan. I I, I devoured everything that he wrote. And uh then it was made into a movie a couple times. There have been radio broadcasts as well but the the movie that I think is sort of famous uh and so sort of the one that that i've I've seen and loved the most is a nineteen sixty film uh was you know made in Hollywood. And it was called H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. It starred Rod Taylor at the height of his powers, Alan Young, if you remember him, he was pretty cool. And then one of my favorites, Yvette Mimu, who was also one of the stars of The Black Hole, which I just saw the other day. It's now on Disney Plus. Uh, The Black Hole. Uh, It was produced and directed by George Powell, uh, who also did the original H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds film in 1953. And it won an Academy Award for special effects. So great movie. And there's a, there's a scene in it, actually. Um, it, you have to kind of get the uncut version. So in the unedited version, there's this great scene where Rod Taylor is uh, watching the year turn turnover, uh, the century turnover. And he decides to do it by just sitting on a park bench and just watching the century turn, which I always thought was wonderful. And I, I had wanted to do that in 2000. It's been my long-term dream. Uh, but with Y2K and everything, it seemed more practical and responsible to be at home with the family with, you know, guns and candles, but you know, everything was fine. So, uh, so anyway, then also Rod Taylor has this awesome, awesome outfit, Um, just like fantastic uh, suits, these great knit suits with matching capes. And uh, I think when I, if I ever move to London, I'm going to get my whole wardrobe made like that and just walk around the streets in a matching cape and suit. It's like a cape and a suit jacket and a vest you know, and a shirt and pants, uh, all matching uh, in some tart It's Fantastic. So anyway, so why am I talking about time travel and time machines? Well, I just want to do like a little quick thought exercise. I'm going to have just a bit of fun with this for just a second, which is what would it be like if someone time traveled in the marketing world? And I think the thing that would be more interesting would be what would happen if the H.G. Wells time machine story was true. What if Rod Taylor or his, you know, little doppelganger from the book, what if he came forward in time? What would he think about the world we have today? And you know, there's there's three observations I'll make and they're all related to a customer experience, which is I think the first thing that he would be amazed by is the anonymity of the shopping experience. And you know, he would come from a world where people were talking to their local clerks and shop owners and shopkeepers and um, butchers and et cetera. And they had you know, a one-on-one relationship with these people. And you'd go in, they would know the cut of meat you liked, or they would, they would know the kind of bread that you normally got, and they would, they would have it set aside for you. Maybe you'd have a, a chit or a bill that was kind of ongoing that you kind of clear up once a month. They'd greet you by name. They'd be happy to see you. You'd talk about the weather. You'd talk about the neighbors. Uh, and then you would go on your way. Uh, I think you'd be shocked, at the anonymity of the shopping experience. And then he would try Zappos. And the Zappos person would spend a bunch of time on the phone with him, getting to know him. And he would say, aha, Zappos has still got the shopkeeper attitude. But I would say that most of the time we don't. And I think that's a big miss. I think there is something about what we do with commerce that's a very human action. That, you know, to a certain extent, you know, everything we do in modern life is somewhat voluntary. Like we don't really need any of this stuff. Like we could all just, you know, live in huts on the shore and pick bananas. And like, we don't really need this stuff that we have, right? Now I'm glad we have it. So I'm not complaining. I'm not suggesting we live on the shore, but why do we have it? And I think that commerce Shopkeeping, retail, et cetera, is an expression of the social fabric of humanity. And in this expression of the social fabric, we essentially make and sell things to each other in an effort to connect with each other. So when we're selling and making things for each other and not connecting socially, we're missing part of the contract. And it's it's interesting how over and over again, brands prove and show that when they add the social component into the shopping experience, that personal connection, that people flock to them, flock to them. What's surprising or interesting to me is how infrequently companies do that. So what else would our our time traveler find? I think that our time traveler would be duly impressed by the variety of payment methods we have. Uh, of course, you know credit cards. Credit existed, but credit cards and you know, the sort of, um, you know, Apple Pay and you know, pay swiping and, you know, Bitcoin and all these different transactions and currency types we have would be somewhat unknown. And they would live in a cash world. So I think that would be really cool. Um, maybe a little hard to understand and be a little hard to understand how to set up all those transactions. It would take a little bit of education. Think about it. Imagine educating someone on our banking system from scratch that they've never actually experienced before. Be quite interesting. And then I think the third thing, which um, I think would be very interesting, would be the entertainment experience. And the entertainment experience, again, from the time that this traveler would have come, late 1800s, was very much a social experience. Theater was dominant. Uh, theater was the way everyone saw everything. And there was a lot of entertainment in shops and cafes and restaurants and street corners. It was like entertainment was all around you, but it was a very social experience. And the idea that you would sit down in front of a glass screen and had entertainment delivered to you somewhat anonymously is, I think, also surprising. And then he would discover Netflix and say, aha, Netflix knows what I want. Netflix can sense what I'm looking for. Netflix has got an understanding of the experience that I'm looking for and the social connection I need. I want you to know my needs and interests and be able to address them. And, and yet, shockingly, most entertainment doesn't follow the Netflix model and most of it is still reasonably anonymous. And I think you'd find that surprising. So those would be my little time traveler observations from today, which is Time Traveler Day. Uh, if I ever got to time travel, I know I would go backwards uh, to... Um, uh, probably a couple of specific dates and I try to fix a couple things I did incorrectly at the time. Um, but I would stay within my own timeline, which is um, what they do in quantum leap, which is my other favorite time travel show. And with that, we will move back to the present and stay here. Feet firmly planted in the 21st century uh, for the CXM experience. I'm grad con and I'll see you. Maybe next time.